Welcome back to Laravel Podcast Season 4. Today's guest is Caleb Porzio, the creator of, man, Livewire, Alpine, uh, that one sushi, lots of good stuff. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 4. Every single episode, I said last time, I said every single topic is an episode. Every single episode is a single topic. And we are talking about um, something where we want to talk about a kind of important and key aspect to Laravel in a way that is really helpful and friendly to newcomers, but then also is interesting to people who've been around for a while. So today we're going to be talking about routing, Blade, and Blade is templates in Laravel, if you're not familiar. So really all kind of the front-end stuff, where you take the request from the user and you kind of send it back out. We're ignoring all the the front-end JavaScript and all that, which is funny considering who I have as guest, but it's all the more like the inherent native uh, Laravel front-end stuff. Before I say any more, I want to introduce my guest. This is Caleb Porzio. Of, uh, so we've got Livewire, we've got Alpine, um, we've got that thing of stickers you did. I don't know what else. What else did you do of things? <laughs> no, so can you say hi to people and what, what did I miss? That's funny. <laughs> you did this, but that was like the first big public thing you did. After Maybe, you left yeah, Titan, right? yeah. No, so yeah. yeah. So anyway, say hi to the people. Introduce yourself the way you would normally introduce yourself. Sure, I'm terrible at introducing myself. I'm uh, I'm Caleb Porzio. Um, what do I say now? I say like open source maintainer yeah, now, Laravel like- guy. Um, but yeah, I, I created and maintained Livewire and Alpine. I used to work at Titan your agency um and uh yeah and i I work on other small things but that's that's my thing yeah so this is basically nepotism right like i'm just bringing on all my like friends and titanites and everything like that Um, yeah well i i figured i have a better chance of getting on now that i left titan (laughs) now that i'm curious to unpack but um you know what? Actually, that's a good point because it's le- less nepotistic because, you know, like I'm not, you know, like because I could have totally loaded last season of Lar- Laravel podcast with just all the people at Titan and had a really fascinating podcast, but I didn't. So you're right. I feel less pressure not to bring somebody on once they don't mm-hmm. work at Titan. That is that was your plan the whole whole time just to that's get why on I quit. the podcast. Nice work. It, you did the job right. Yeah, had to free up the space. I <laughs> love it. Um, so, okay. So. Caleb has, so I want to really quickly introduce those two things because they are relevant. Um, but then I want to talk a tiny bit of history between you and me talking about the front end and why I think that you are really the right person for this. So Livewire, I'm going to tell it in my way and then you tell me what I get right and wrong. That's I love my favorite it. part of this podcast. I also hate explaining Livewire. Yeah. All right. So Livewire, oh, I've never actually done this before. Livewire is a combination of a Laravel tool and a JavaScript front-end tool that that work together with each other. So you install it once. You're not going to use it just in JavaScript. You're not going to just in Laravel because it doesn't make any sense. It is a tool that is designed to basically. So if you're if you're familiar with PJAX or um, gosh, why can I never remember the name of the, the Rails one? Turbolinks. The idea behind those tools, I think, would be helpful to introduce. Turbolinks and, and PJAX, the idea is that, let's say you have the, an entire web application, and every time you navigate between pages, the, the header stays the same, the left nav stays the same, and the footer stays the same, but there's this like middle div that you probably named content or something like that that changes from page to page. And so in Turbolinks and PJAX, you basically point PJAX or turn, point Turbolinks, which is basically the, the branded name of you know Rails version of PJAX, at that div and you say, when somebody clicks a link, let's say they go from the home page to the about page, instead of actually doing a full server refresh, go using JavaScript, get the contents of the next page, the about page, and then swap out only the contents of that div 
um, that content div with the content div from the about page and then also use like push state to change the URL in the browser. And there's some niceties around it so you can make the request in a way where the only HTML that's actually transferred over is just the HTML from that div rather than the whole div. But in the end, that's functionally what's happening is that JavaScript is making a request, it's getting that new um, internal content, but the biggest thing is not only is it not transferring and re-rendering like the sidebar and the, the header and the footer, but it's also not having to completely request the entire HTML HTML structure from scratch. It's not having to get JavaScript and CSS or any of the shared images and stuff like that. And so it feels fast like an SPA, but it also feels like a browser thing. And one of the cool things about it is let's say you're on this about page and you hit refresh, then it gets that about page directly from the server. And then again, you know, it's perfectly server rendered, but then every future navigation from there is replacing just the content in that div. So that's what PJAX and TurboLinks are like in general. So imagine that but instead of this thing where you're just kind of stuck with that div, you don't get any like interactivity. And one of the difficulties for a long time about dealing with Turbolinks and PJAX has been um, like, what does it happen when you interact with view? You have view, interactive view components on a PJAX page and then the PJAX page changes. How does that change the view state? And there's a lot of complexity there. So imagine instead a circumstance in which there was an inherent integration with your Blade components, which we haven't talked about yet, so this is confusing to talk about first, so sorry newcomers, I'll try to get, get past this part quickly, where basically your Blade components have knowledge and understanding that just that individual Blade component can be interactive in that way and can be recycled in that way and can have their, their view regenerated that way without the entire page having to refresh. So you get this level of interactivity and updated information from the server and little mini JavaScript requests to the server for individual pieces that page where that piece of the page is like the the 10 posts in your paginated you know table or whether that is the um the widget that's showing like the up-to-date stock ticker for the last 10 minutes or whatever else it ends up being you have these little little pieces of the page that can also nest within each other and the responsibility of livewire is to basically allow you to write very simple purely php components that take the responsibility among themselves of tracking their own state sort of like a view type situation, um, but also handling the responsibility for when they should be doing those updates. So whereas PJAX is more just broad, like you got this content div and when somebody clicks a link, it changes them to a different piece of content in the content div. Livewire is like that, but so much more integrated with Laravel where each component is having its own state and its own set of responsibilities for managing its own knowledge of whether it needs to be refreshed or not. So it's much more like a React or a DOM type situation where components have their own state and they're responsible for like diffing the DOM between old version and new version. But you're not writing JavaScript. You're writing PHP the whole time and you're really writing Blade. If you know Blade, you basically you know can understand how to write Livewire. That's how I think of Livewire. Caleb, how'd I do? Yeah, you did pretty good. It's, a, I, it's super tough. It's a super tough yeah. thing to explain. Um, even though it, it's fairly simple in practice, at least it, you know, on, on the surface. Um, yeah. The way I explain it for without using, without getting into the internals of it, the most like basic explanation I generally give is the first magic you encounter with Livewire is that you can execute backend PHP codes, a picture of PHP method, like a controller method or something. Where normally, if you want to execute that code, you have to make a full request with a form post or mm -hmm. visit a link with a URL. Or if you're using Vue or React, you would make an Ajax request to an endpoint. Where Livewire mm -hmm. gives you this magic where if you have like a button tag, you can add wire click and then specify the name of a method that lives in the back end. That, yeah. that, that's what clicked for me because Livewire takes a lot from Phoenix Live View, which is a similar framework in a similar ecosystem. 
And that's what clicked for me. Like I don't speak Elixir, which is what LiveView is in. But it's once you see that cycle, when you, you just see that that one button tag with wire mm-hmm. click in Phoenix world, it's Phoenix click, wire click, and then the method. And then the other screenshot is a PHP method with that same name. And you go, wait a minute, somehow clicking this yep. button directly executes Magically. this method name. And then everything yeah. re-renders and does its thing without doing a full page refresh and whatnot. So that that is pretty much the way that I explain it on a surface level. Of it's, it's this magical thing that allows you to execute PHP code from the front end. At least that's how it yeah. feels, you know? Yeah. And that's that's why I think that you're the perfect person for this. So, so for those of you who are newcomers and you're like, I don't even know what Blade is, let alone what all this stuff is, the context here is basically Caleb has been writing javascript-based tooling to allow people to have much of the value of javascript without leaving php and yes. that's the really without leaving a specifically um laravel blade um and that's that's a lot of what's really cool about it and that's one of the reasons why caleb's on for this call he also wrote alpine um which is a super 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 light like if you were to imagine view and i'm sorry to, to use view as a comparison but if you were to imagine view without all the heaviness of like everything having to be components like view is much like if you use view just as single components on the page it's much lighter than something like an ember or react where you kind of have to do the whole deal well this is even lighter than that you're using really simple decorations by just adding basically tags to your um your html that automatically makes it like a couple lines of code and everything's interactive and you know you're toggling state and tracking state um it's obviously not meant for single page apps or something like that but for minor interactivity or medium interactivity on um on front end stuff, it's a really nice decoration. Again, how did I do on that? I don't think I was as good at perfect, as compelling on that perfect. one. It's an easy okay, one. Cool. That's an easier one to explain. <laughs> good, cool. So, so Caleb has thought a lot about this, and and the reason why I originally thought Caleb for this topic, which is you know actually you know what before I talk about that, um, no I, I will go there. The reason I brought Caleb on this is because Caleb and I for a long time had been at Titan had been a part of a conversation around what does front end the ideal front end look like for people who build the type of apps that that Titan does. And we build very complex, uh, robust, nuanced things, trying to use the simplest possible technology for the sake of ease of, of creation, ease of modification long-term, ease of maintenance for whoever we're handing the project off to. So we don't want to pick the coolest, hottest thing because that's often also the most costly thing to implement and often the most difficult thing for them to either hire for in the future or for their programmers to work with. So we want to use the thing that's the closest to kind of like the core. And so we would often find ourselves in situations where someone would say, well, that's obviously a you know, Vue SPA or React SPA. And we say, oh, how can I do this in Blade? Or someone would say, well, yeah, I just instantly begin Begin my project by writing a Vue SPA and then APIs. That's just it. And we would say, oh, I always begin my project by writing it in Laravel's basic stuff and just add the JavaScript when I absolutely have to. And so Caleb and I were very often on kind of like team, at least at the beginning we weren't, right? But it, I think we quickly coalesced on the same team of team, um, keep it in Blade as much as possible, keep it in Laravel as much as team possible. Team Blade didn't it, exist. It was, it was Team Vue and Team React. That, those were the brand yeah. teams. And yeah, that's definitely like, true. One day, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, I'm actually Team yeah. Blade. <laughs> yeah, and I, I had I had unknowingly been Team Blade, but I thought I was. I think I kind of thought it was just because I'm an old man. But I think we realized in conversation that we were like kind of Team Blade, and we were on our own little space. And then after leaving Titan, Caleb built Livewire, which to me really kind of put Blade in the space of it's now like React View and Blade. Now, obviously, they're not exactly the same thing, but 
or sorry, Refu and Livewire, but Livewire provides a lot of that, you know, kind of like front end interactivity without having to leave Blade, which I love. And so that's, that's, I mean, among other, other things, the fact that he's just very knowledgeable, I think that's one of the reasons I really got excited to get Caleb on here is because he thinks a lot about working in the front end and working well with Laravel and Blade. So today's topic is about two things. It's about routing and views, and we're actually going to jump straight into routing first. Okay. Um, and so what I want to say with the routing is there is because I, I, I want to start there two, for two reasons. Um, I think the first one is because I think that Laravel routing is the first place that every app hits. That's not technically true. You've got middleware and stuff, but like for the average development experience, routing is the first thing you hit. And second of all, routing serves two things. You know, one of them is to, to, to parse the incoming request and the other one is to pass information off to Blade technically or, you know, APIs, whatever. So let's just start with, with routing in an HTTP MVC app um, or routing in Laravel, how do you describe w- how routing works and what it's doing to a five-year-old or in, in the simplest way possible? <laughs> so I was surprised for you. I, uh, I, I read this in the little sheet and I thought, uh-huh. you know, I know a couple five-year-olds. My nieces. Did and you nephews, try it with a five-year-old? Thought, I'm just going to call my nephew up, Sammy. <laughs> yeah. He's four, almost five. Close enough. And, uh, and my brother-in-law, his dad is a programmer and, uh, sort oh, of nice. he's Salesforce, but he, he knows Laravel. Yeah. A bit. So anyway, I got him on the phone right away. I recorded the call. So you, you can put it in if you want or not. Did you re- <laughs> yes, it's going in here, right? You can I cut haven't out heard like it yet, a but I'm just going to cut it in right here. There's full okay. permission to put it in here. I think it would be would be cool. But So I, I think my first response is, is that you need to change the age range of that question. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you, you can go for like seven or eight, maybe. Yes. Well, so, okay. So I do the five-year-old. And, and I start, you know, Sam, I'm going to misquote it because you're probably going to show it. But anyway, I'm like, Sammy, so, uh, basically I very soon I get to the question, Sammy, do you know what a computer is? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, I think I've heard of it. Oh God. God. You're like, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Yes. Uh, you go on the iPad with your mom and then we start Uh going to like the iPad, whatever. So I quickly realized like, I just got a safe face be like, thanks for helping me out, Sam. You know, whatever. Good job. Can you put your brother on the phone? Who's seven? And, oh, perfect. Uh, so I get Danny on the phone and now he knows what a computer is and uh, uh-huh. he's even expressed ambition in becoming a programmer someday. Okay. All right. Um, and he, so, so the conversation was a little bit better, but I was explaining <laughs> it through, basically I quickly found that his experience with the internet is really answering like fun, like Buzzfeed type quizzes with his uh-huh. mom. So, uh-huh. so I use that as a platform of like, okay, so you're on the, that's a website. Okay, Dan. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. That's a website. Now, when you click a button in the quiz, what happens? Well, it, you know, shows you the answer. Okay. How does it know that, you know? And so I, I was like, Danny, I just need to get you to the place where I can ask you what is routing in Laravel and <laughs> yeah. you tell me. So at my, at whatever, anyway, you'll hear it, but, Got but it. I'll say that, uh, I was sort of, uh, I thought it would be a fun experiment and it was, but I think we even might need to go to like 12 years old. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. need to bump the All age right. <laughs> to be useful. Well, let's go for 12. Do you, give me, give me 12. I imagine I'm your 12 year old cousin then. Yeah. So, well, I mean, routing, hmm. Honestly, I'm okay. The the actual 12 year old version is that when you go to a website, you put something in the URL bar. What is the URL bar? Mm A little white box at the top of your browser. What is a browser? Mm -hmm. Okay. We're we're back in the loop. So you put the internet, you put something in the browser, uh, you have the website and then slash and then thing and then slash. Those things are like looking up files in a folder or something. You're you're mm-hmm. putting a key in and you're getting a value out. The routing layer, routes, whatever. A route 
is basically a map. It's a link from that key to the page you want to show the user. I mean, that would be my 12 year old definition, I think. Yeah. But I think I have a better definition because most people listening to this aren't 12. Yes, this is true. (laughs) I think this is an important thing to, I I try to put my, my newbie hat on Mm -hmm. to go back to how I felt when I was encountering all this stuff for the first time. Yeah. And when you start learning, well, web design, you know, you, you realize, whoa, I can create an HTML file with notepad, double click mm-hmm. it and open it in my browser so that URL bar can point to files. Then you learn, right. you know, you could put that on a website. I could host that on a server and now it's slash, you know, about.html or slash a different right. thing. You link to different pages. And then you learn PHP, which is like HTML, but it goes through a program first that, that changes mm-hmm. it in some meaningful programmatic way. So it might be about.php. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. okay, so that, that was like me learning PHP. But then when I encountered, I think Yee or CodeIgniter, I forget which one was first, but one of those frameworks, mm-hmm. when I encountered them and seeing that the URL bar became something different, where like yeah. the routes, they weren't files anymore. It wasn't .php, yeah. and that threw me for a loop. It was like slash just a word, you know, like admin slash user slash one slash show. I was like, wait a minute. So this mapping, this file thing, you're just faking it. You're like intercepting it somewhere and saying, let's fake it. And so anyway, I think that's worth mentioning or like going back to that route. Yeah. That that was a big realization for me is that routing is like pretending to be a file it's like you call a file and the server's like i know you want this file or you know it knows how to respond by calling one file index.php and deferring the file choice to you in the router you could create a route called about.php you could literally do that and you could would return whatever you want okay that's how i I think it's a fantastic point i i love that i love the 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 pointing out because like so if you were to upload a Laravel application to your server and had not taught that server that every single request in the server, no matter what the URL, should go over to public slash index.php, yeah. you wouldn't have a functioning Laravel application. Right. Right. And so it is depending. Go ahead. go ahead. It's important to recognize what layer does that. And that's yeah. the Nginx or Apache layer. Or Apache or whatever. Which is yeah. your server program, which is something that, again, yep. is confusing at first. But that's yeah. the layer that handles, really handles the magic. And then Laravel just has an index.php file and is able that's to That's a great whatever. point. But yeah, anyway. a, like the most important piece of the routing happens before your Laravel app even gets touched. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so you got an Nginx configuration file or a .htaccess or whatever else. There's a directive in there that's somewhere. And usually it says, if a folder's a folder, show the folder. Yeah. If a, you know, a JPEG exists or if file exists or something like that, show the file. Otherwise, basically, it's like a fallback. It says, if it, if this thing that somebody just typed, slash about or whatever, doesn't exist, then serve index.php and give it all the parameters that it needs. So basically, yeah. index.php says, oh, I'm being called. It spins up Laravel, and then Laravel has the ability to say, now, what were you called with? Oh, slash about slash. Well, let's go look that up in our routing stuff. Yeah. So so then we get into Laravel routing. I think that's a great point. So Laravel routing. So what, just, just really quickly, like, how is Laravel routing structured and is it similar or different to other routing you've seen? Like if somebody's just either not familiar with how to define routes at all right. or if they've done it elsewhere, like what's your experience there and like how it's similar or different or what's new or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in, 
I guess what what it looks like in Laravel. I'll start there. In Laravel, mm-hmm. currently there's a is it there's a folder in your root project called routes slash web dot php. Yep. So web dot php yep. is the first place you start where all the routes are listed, and you write a route with route and get and whatever the name. Um, and again, it's this map. It's like route get post yep get means Mm -hmm. a get request like you're viewing a page you could do a post request like you're submitting a form route get post and then you're returning a view which we could get into later which is some html with magic or whatever you want or returning json or something like that um the way it differs then at least so like i said i I got into code igniter before laravel i know you were in a code igniter before laravel um and code igniter does have the concept of routes but it's almost secondary it's like, am I yeah, right in saying that CodeIgniter Intuits, if you do like post slash show, there's some, you know, system, some convention that it will auto look up the method in a controller. So yep. really you're not in CodeIgniter, you're not thinking of routes in terms of, you know, what am I going to name this route? It'll be post slash ID. You're not thinking of that. You're thinking, yeah. I have a post controller, a show post controller with a show method, you know, and then you, yep. you layer the routes accordingly. So routes are kind of yep. magic. For, and it's the same for Rails. So I looked up routing in Rails, and I thought this was the case. And it is the huh. same, that like similar to CodeIgniter, by default, it's the convention of automatically looking up your controller and then your method based on a route, like intuiting the method that you're running from a controller. Where, huh. um, So anyway, this was something that when I came to Laravel, I was <laughs> really, I was really uh, jazzed about. I don't know, because I, yeah. I love it it's almost like well wouldn't you want convention over configuration or something but really in laravel it's just you go to one file and it's all laid out it's all there every entry point in your application is in one file and that is like a lighthouse in the sea you know you're sailing along and like you can just see the lighthouse you go back to that and you can always trace a a thread through your application back from web.php so yeah and I, lo- I love that point because Laravel is often known about being, are known for being kind of like convention over configuration. Like, and, and for anyone who's not familiar with that phrase, it basically just means by default, there's going to be the way things work and you can change it, but you don't have to set everything up every time. There's a lot of default conventions so that every Laravel app op- op- operates the same way and you don't have to start every app you ever build by making decisions, um, you know, because most right. of those decisions are made in the conventions. And so it's interesting that in this particular space, like there's other people that are more con- more have, have more conventions and interestingly also Laravel had more routing conventions in the early days and they've really been discouraged because we kind of got bit by them a lot and that's one of the things I think I like about the most about like Laravel magic and Laravel conventions is that like we have had some conventions that have gone away because they were difficult yeah. and one of them was people would map an entire like segment to a resource controller or a controller or whatever mm-hmm. what was the other name for it but basically it just says any like if you were to map something to slash posts and you had a post controller, you could set a definition in the routes file that says everything under slash posts goes yeah. to this controller, period. And we kind of as a as a community primarily stop using that because it's right. so many so it's bitten so many people so many ways. We're like, yeah, don't do that anymore. So we've actually you can moved still do from it though, right? more magical like route resource. You or? can, but I, I but it's just I, people resource don't. routes. 
Well, there's two of them. There's resource routes, which is just like the index show, whatever. Right. But there was another one that was like everything. I can't even oh, remember like the name because it's been so long. Yeah, it was like a wild. I can't. Even, okay. It's been so long since I did it. Um, hopefully, I'm not making that up, but I'm pretty sure. Gotcha. But even res- even with resource routes, we still tend to say don't use resource routes or controllers. Like actually define the whole thing. Yeah. I have less trouble with it, but still, I think it's a little bit more likely for someone to to not find the lighthouse because the lighthouse was Same, implied yeah. by by a resource controller and just no, just map the thing. Now I'm very curious. Am I making that up, or is that true? I, don't know. I think I think there was a global wizard one where, but now maybe I'm just uh, overcomplicating resource routes. So anyway, routes slash web PHP. You mentioned both what it is and also how it's different to some other other routing. Um, so yeah, so basically, you know, we often talk about routing being the traffic cop, although we also say sometimes the controllers are those. And I guess it's a good note that you said, which is controllers are very often a piece of, you know, the routing because routing is not just route slash web.php. It's also what takes something in there and sends it over to the end result. And man, I feel like we could have a whole episode purely about the process of taking an, an input and generating an output and what types of different <laughs> outputs can you return and how are they converted? That's the, that's I was like, let's start talking. That's everything. Yeah. That's... And I was like, maybe let's not go there the whole way. <laughs> but there is there is a good note, which is that like, so you were mentioning that it's a map and anyone not familiar with the map and programming, it usually just means like, if you were to imagine like a, an associative array or a key value, a whole bunch of key value pairs, the keys on the left side, it's sort of like the thing that you're using to look something up. And on the right side, it's the value that you're going to get if you enter that key. Like that's kind of what we often mean when we're saying maps in you know JavaScript yeah, it's more, and stuff like that. A legend is probably right. a better metaphor for that. Like oh, a legend yeah. on a map. Yeah. Like that would be a or, better I don't, uh, terminology. But yeah, for something like I, I it, that is one of those words that now is second nature for me. Yeah. But uh-huh. I remember being yeah, but that because it's used in very specific ways. Like a lot of programming languages have maps as a data structure. As an actual data structure. Um, yeah. But then you know there's like lookup maps. There's just mapping. You know all that stuff. And I yeah, it's good good to clarify that. In my mind, mapping just means relating one thing, relating a group of things to another group of things, basically. <laughs> yeah. A whole bunch of inputs to a whole bunch of outputs. Yeah, one to one. Yep. Usually. Um, yeah. So, so what he kind of means is like if you imagine the routes file that that it's going to be in lookups, which is the the router, a definition of a wildcard for a route, and the, and then the thing that that maps to, and usually the thing that maps to is going to be. Um, a string defining a view name. It's going to be a string defining um, something you else you should redirect to. It's going to be a closure or an anonymous function that actually is the body of that route or a controller method, which is also going to be a function that's the, the body of that route. So basically at some point you're defining, other than the shortcuts of the view or the, the redirect, you're usually mapping a single URL or URL pattern over to a chunk of procedural PHP code that tells you what to do there. And usually at the bottom of that PHP code, it returns something like a view, which yeah. is why we're kind of connecting these in routing. So so let's talk about views and Blade a little bit. Um, I actually wrote in my notes here, to be honest, I have no idea how to describe this to a five-year-old. You can try, but if not, how would you describe views to a procedural PHP programmer? So whatever, yeah. it, whatever it looks like, can you talk about templating and Blade templating in particular? Yeah, I guess uh, if I were explaining this to pre-PHP framework Caleb, Caleb, mm-hmm. who was just learning PHP um, with, you know, WAMP or whatever at the time. Right. And um, so when you encounter PHP, it's cool because it's, it. A, so you could name a file like about dot, like before you had about.html and it's your whole cool about page where you talk about yourself and you have a picture that's floated left. Then right. you, you could change that 
with WAMP or something, some machine that understands PHP, we don't have to get into that, but you could change that to about.php and it would still work. It would work the yeah. exact same way completely. But the magic is you could, let's say where you say, um, oh, at the bottom, you have the copyright, you know, like at copyright right. 2019 and then four years later, it's still 2019. For that yeah. little 2019, you could basically break out of static HTML, HTML that just exists and is hard-coded into a file into PHP with the syntax mm -hmm. of less than question mark php to kind of open up the php gap and then you could now you're in a programming language so you can echo out the current year um echoing meaning like print or put or whatever sp spit it out mm -hmm. um and then close that php and then you're back to static html so so when i first encountered php it was sprinkling dynamic behavior into static html files mm -hmm. and then i remember my first the first question i had is like how does a form work actually what led me into programming was designing html sites and then i i thought how how does a username and password form work like i see the form tag i see that uh -huh. on you know w3 schools but what yeah. what do you do with that how do i do something smart why you know if i post this i, I don't understand and that question is what led me to php and then a coding huh. and then a laravel and then interesting here. yeah um so that then you get into php where you're actually doing smart things like handling a form request and going into a database and doing something, you know, deeper. So anyway, um, I guess all of this to say that at its core, PHP, or at least the way it used to be primarily, is a templating language. Like that's what it was for, yeah. is templating. Yeah. But it's become so, the, the needs have gotten so much bigger that the way we design our applications is not that way. We design them as yeah. if it's any other big boy programming language. And then at the end, you do all your work, you do all the calculations and computations and figure out what year it is. And then at mm -hmm. the end, you do the templating and then we call it yeah. the view. So it's kind of yeah. this, this shift of, um, yeah, view is basically a view is what PHP used to be for me, <laughs> what yeah, all of yeah. it was, but now it's just where, where the huh. HTML happens, you know? Yeah. I like that. Um, cause we definitely often think of the views as like the last last little last ditch piece of it like the, there's so much code in so many files before you hit the view and that's a really good point that like and i mean even when my my php applications got more complicated there was you know 10 lines of php at the top of the thing that says include comment on ink and you know connect my sql parens and yes yeah uh, you know Im <laughs> right. import header dot you know right or in line there slash yeah. header dot ink whatever yeah totally yeah but in the end, the primary file was still just the template. And the template was bringing in the external code. And I mean, you could sort of think of it that way as well. But let's say instead of the template bringing in the external code, you now had the code itself yes. bringing in the template, which is basically what a framework is, right? right yes. Like it's it's a whole bunch of code that, at least for web views, just brings in a template and throws data into it at some point. And the one place, this is kind of funny, I think. I think not that long ago, maybe a month or two ago, I was just, I don't know what spurred this, but I, I just noticed, and everyone notices this, but every PHP file starts with that same less than question mark PHP. You don't have to mm -hmm. end it, but it just starts with that. And you just do it like second nature. But other programming languages, you don't do that. You don't break <laughs> yeah. out into the programming language. You are in the programming language. You are language. in it, yeah. And it, so it's like this throwback that like we have one little nugget left that's hinting like, uh -huh. hey, the old days. I am a templating language, <laughs> you know? And yeah, that's if you were to write just PHP today, now. yeah, there's probably some things you would do You'd differently. Like, one of them Why is probably is not requiring that. Yeah, Not required. Exactly. That would be probably the first thing. 
And then I wonder, can uh, you just write an HTML tag before that? I don't know. Ah, uh, that would that's be fun. An interesting question. <laughs> I feel like you could in some, but a lot of the other ones. There's one of the things you'll hit. Just side note is that a lot of things. Once the moment you write in the HTML, it sends a header. And so you lose the ability to send headers. So if you had any HTML in any of your PHP tags, oh. then your response would say would give you an error saying can't send headers. Out of, er, headers have already been sent. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, try it sometime. Okay. Yeah, because the moment you echo any HTML to the um, to the browser, it assumes you're just getting generic headers, and so yeah. you can't customize your headers after that. Wow. So, Good nugget. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, nugget. Yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons um, I believe why we don't end our PHP tags anymore, is so you don't have that accidental space at the oh. end that gets sent as a character. I think. Cool. I think it's to protect us from that. Nice. Yeah, got some old learning here. I yeah, think. Yeah. The the number of corrections I'm going to get on Twitter after this episode is going to be interesting. <laughs> um. So okay. So let's talk about Blade. So Blade um is Laravel specific templating language, and of course Laravel can work with other things like Twig, and you could actually, I believe, you can still just write straight up PHP templates as well. Totally. Um. Yeah, if you just don't put .blade.php, mm-hmm. or actually, I guess, even in your Blade files. So what is unique about Blade, or what, what makes you like Blade more than other templating languages uh, you've worked with? Yeah, so so PHP itself is a templating language, and sometimes I forget that, because there is like a, a for each, you know, for each colon. I remember, like, I learned mm-hmm. that after even learning Laravel, I think. That, like, oh, yeah. There's for each colon. I, you know, I'd probably mm-hmm. been doing open curly brace my whole life, but... Um, anyway, so yeah, life was changed. Yes. Um, other templating languages. I mean, so other PHP templating languages, I don't really have experience with twig. Um, I guess, uh, what is code igniter in code igniter? Do you just use normal PHP for your templates? I think you just use normal PHP. It's been a long time, but yeah, Yeah. I think so. Okay. So, well, I guess that's maybe a good starting point. Um, in code igniter, you're in a controller. So just like in Laravel, you have some route, it points to some controller method where you're returning the view, you know, that's the end of Mm it and you're passing in data to the view. And in CodeIgniter, you build up your view. So you you remember this pattern? I'm sure like you currently oh, yeah. maintain an app with this pattern, perhaps. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore? Not anymore. It's all oh, Laravel now. That's awesome. Yes, so, but I do remember. I remember. I, I call it passed to view. <laughs> so okay. I had a variable named passed to view in every method. Okay, yeah. So um, basically, you build up in, in CodeIgniter, I would build up a view. So I would first spit out a uh, header, and then the body and then the footer, which is pretty good. It's logical. It's like procedural uh, where Blade takes a different approach. Blade is like um, mm. like eggshells or something. Instead of just stacking things on top of each other, you're, you're, you're spitting out a thing that then specifies mm-hmm. what it's wrapped in and mm. could be multiple yeah. layers mm-hmm. of wrapping, which is very different. Mm-hmm. So in Blade, you have the concept of layouts, basically, is what I'm getting at, where yeah. you would have... you which I like because instead of like in code igniter, you might have related things in the header and the footer, but they're in two separate files, you know? Yeah. Where with mm-hmm. Laravel, your layout file is the whole glimpse. And then uh-huh. your content is one little bit. It's, you know, at yep. yield content. So you get yeah. kind of the full picture of the right slices. And I liked that mm-hmm. a lot coming to Laravel. That was a hurdle for me. Cause it's a little bit more complex than just stacking yeah. HTML. Yeah. Um, but it, it makes so much more sense. And, uh, and yeah. And then, so twig, I actually dug into twig a little bit just to see if I could find any differences. Um, and I couldn't really find much on layouts. I don't know if twig just doesn't have like the concept of layouts, but 
It's not like there was a page called layouts, you know? Yeah, it, it does, but its its inheritance is much less nuanced. But again, it's because of that, I stopped using Twig, so I haven't used it in ages. Mm. But yeah, Twig doesn't do inheritance nearly the way that it does. And so I don't think you can do the type of layouts that you're talking about. It, it feels much more like the old way, where you mm-hmm. include one thing, and then you include another thing, and then you include a thing below it, yeah. rather than these these ideas where you're leaving like little holes in it that say, this hole is going to be filled later by something right. else that extends me, basically. This, this, uh, this speaks to all of Laravel for me, one of my the things I love most about it, and I think we touched on with the routing, is that Laravel is not all magic everywhere. It's not yeah. It's not a complete layer of frosting over, over hard wires. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. this beautiful mixture of the, mm-hmm. right, of the right levels of magic and the right levels of, of exposed brick. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And I think a perfect example of that is the routing. I love that I don't, that it's not automatically assigning the yep. code to my route. I love that I get that place for that. I think another good example is something uh, in other templating languages, when you are echoing something, so you have in, mm-hmm. in Blade, it's curly braces, two curly braces, and then a variable. So if you're spitting out mm-hmm. the current year, it would be curly brace, curly brace, brace, date, function, Y, and then it would spit out the mm-hmm. year. In another templating language, you would likely have extra features like a pipe where you could add on a filter and maybe there yep. would be magic things for upper casing and lower casing. And that's just yep. more stuff you have to memorize. It's just yep. more burden exactly. bear. And in yep. Blade, you just use PHP. Like that's yep. the recommendation. Even though in the other ones you probably could. I think this is another area where I love how Blade is, it doesn't have a feature or an API for everything. It, yeah. it puts you into PHP and it takes mm-hmm. care of the the things that are normally a little annoying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which I mean, and I, I think it's a great point because actually I believe in Twig, you can't use normal PHP. And so you'd find yourself in a situation where let's say you wanted to do an array filter um, on something mm-hmm. in Twig. Well, if array filter doesn't exist in Twig, you have to go see if somebody has written or you have to go write yourself an array filter Twig extension, which I've done mm-hmm. before. And uh, I don't know if I did, I don't know if I did it with that, yeah. but if we had to do things. And it's actually like you have to develop a whole package to right. use this one feature in Twig. And not to say like Twig's terrible or anything like that, but with Blade, at any point you could just drop down to PHP. Yep. You know, and Blade makes certain things a lot easier, like for each and if and inheritance and all that kind of stuff, which right. is great and we're very grateful for. But in the end, you're just writing PHP templates that have yep. some decorative language in them rather than writing a brand new thing that you have to, you know, not only memorize everything, which is, is the whole thing, but also you can't do anything that's not in their defined um, spec. Uh, so, yeah, right. I love that. That's a really great point. Yeah. One, one thing I think worth mentioning for newcomers or latecomers or whatever um, that the curl so like the the curly brace the double curly brace echoing something mm-hmm. in blade what's the difference between just doing open up php and echo because it is functionally mm-hmm. the same thing um but but in inside when you do that you're also escaping whatever you are echoing mm-hmm. out so in other words if somebody if you have a database field um uh for uh the about uh, of a user's profile their their about section and you make it a text yeah. area on the page and let's say, I don't know, for, for however however this happens, they write literally HTML inside of that that has a script tag with some bad script injection stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you echo it out. You echo out the user's about on a page publicly. You would expose the world to this, this JavaScript attack. Um, yeah. Where Blade, when you use those, those double curly braces, you're automatically protected 
from harm basically it escapes those out so it will you'll actually see those html tags literally shown instead of processed yeah. by a browser and i think instead that's an script, important yeah. note for people that you're just taken care of in a way that that is kind of yeah. behind the scenes you know and I, I love that because one of the things i've you know we, we've long said is that Laravel takes care of you in certain ways like that. Like it protects you from SQL query injection yes. because it by default escapes all that, you know, these things. But I think there's a lot of other ways that I, it helps you learn that I have not realized. And until the last couple of years, which is just to give one example, like a lot of people have told me, when I asked them, where did you learn design patterns? They said, I had to learn them to work with Laravel because the design patterns are embedded in Laravel. And so hmm. in order to understand how to work with Laravel, I had to learn this design pattern. And I'm like, it's a really interesting idea. Like, so Laravel is actually helping us do better, like in a lot of different ways that we don't always necessarily For know. Sure. But you're right. Yeah. Just like you don't have to know that you're being protected in order to be protected. You yeah. don't even need to know that you need to be protected in order to be protected. You just are. Yep. Yeah. It's invisible until like. Yeah until the day where you need to actually echo out something unsafe for yeah. a purpose. And then, that's and the then you thing. can go learn what you're and doing. Then you and then you figure it out. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was protected this whole time. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally. That's cool. Um, so, okay. So the simplest use case for routing is, you know, routing, just taking a request and giving, spitting out results. The simplest use case for blade is views, but there's other aspects of working with routing. There's other aspects of working with views that are a little bit more common. Um, but maybe a little bit harder to kind of either understand at the beginning or describe. And some examples there are like, for example, route groups um, is one thing that's a little bit more complex. Um, I know that views has stacks and there's also sections and stuff like that in yield. Could you talk about a few of the most common patterns and tools uh, between hmm. routing and blade that you use on a, on a regular basis or you think people do that it'd be good for everybody to at least get familiar with? Sure. Is there a section of this episode where we talk about common gotchas or is this this section? Yep. That's the next section. Okay. Next, just want to make sure section. that I, that, that yep. we get there. Otherwise I would <laughs> stuff my gotchas. In totally. Here. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's next. Yeah. I guess common like next level mechanisms, uh, for mm -hmm. routing grouping is perfect. Um, so like, let's say you have uh, a whole chunk of, okay, your, your landing page on the site is a public facing site or, uh, you know, it's a public facing route. You want to spit that stuff out to the public. Um, your login page is a public thing, but then everything inside of your application, the admin panel, that's all protected under authorization, a user authentication, a user has to be logged in to see that stuff. Um, and I think the, that this is great, but the way to do it in Laravel basically is to take those routes and put them inside a route group. Um, so you might have a route group for all of the public routes and then a route group for all of the, the non-public routes. Um, and when you declare a group, so uh, actually the syntax, like route colon colon group, and then right. you can pass in a callback or a, you know, just a function, a PHP closure, whatever, where you then, you know, declare all your routes. So you copy and paste all your routes and stick them in that, that function. Um, mm -hmm. but when you're declaring the group, you can assign it things. You can assign it middleware like auth or guest. If you want to kick guests back, you know, if for visiting it. Um, yeah. yeah, like it's, I mean, it's great for a place for middleware. It's great for prefixing, you know, you can prefix a whole mm -hmm. group. Um, if everything is within like an, if everything in an admin panel should be slash admin, you can pass like route colon colon group and then prefix slash, uh, admin. You can also prefix route names, which segue, we should talk about route names. That's a good one. Totally should. Yeah. yeah. Huge, huge boon to start using that. Yes, that, that's a good tip. Like uh, I remember early on sort of seeing the light and never looking back um, in every other yeah. framework or anything I've used when you're, you're dealing with routes all the time, like 
you have a you you have your home page which has a logout button and maybe that button mm-hmm. posts to an endpoint slash logout so you hard code you literally write in slash logout then way mm-hmm. down the road you need to rename it for whatever reason to auth slash logout and now you have mm-hmm. to do a global find and replace which is easy in that case but in other cases it's not always easy there's maybe wildcard yeah. stuff maybe you used php to build up that route um yeah. and then it becomes harder and more brittle more fragile it just becomes a, a, a chore basically if not mm-hmm. a liability um so route names are like variables for, it's a map basically route names are variables yeah, for the routes yeah yeah um, yeah yeah so when i'm defining a route let's say i have a an admin route route colon colon get admin and then i'd put in a controller method or something mm-hmm. and then at the end of that instead of just putting the semicolon i could do arrow name and specify a name like maybe it's just admin um, but yeah. typically they're more nested it might be like auth dot logout or you know admin dot mm-hmm. show dot something yep. Um, yep. so now you have it basically it turns what was just hard-coded strings everywhere into mm-hmm. uh into a function that you can interact with so now when you're yeah. echoing out that logout instead of just hard coding slash logout you would do route um you would route as a function route the for route function and then pass in the string logout or auth dot logout and then it would yeah. echo out itself so so that's a yep. good one i think that's a good mechanism and you you made that transition when you were talking about groups, and that's a great point. Like for example, if all of your admin routes are in a group, you can both prefix the URL with admin, and but you can also prefix the the name with admin. Yes. So you can assume that all the names of those routes are going to be admin dot something. You can also do it once in the group rather than having to replicate or duplicate it every single time for every single yep. route in that group. Super yeah, useful. That's a great point. Um, are there any blade things that you want to talk about that are um, that are really valuable? You yeah, know, more than just basic blade. Right. I mean, layouts are really valuable. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe one of the, <laughs> this is something I used to be scared of. I think that layouts in blade is a little bit of a next level concept. I think for new people, if, if new people are like me when I was new, uh-huh. it's one of those things you struggle through to get set up in your app, meaning mm-hmm. you have your, your base layout that has your, you know, loads, whatever bootstrap or tailwind CSS, your head tag, whatever. And then maybe a section of your site is, is we'll use the admin panel. There's, you know, specifics about the way the admin panel, the header, the footer, stuff like that, the sidebar. So you have this kind of middle layout and then you have mm-hmm. your end view, which are all the different views inside of admin. That setup is something that every time I needed it, I would struggle through, read the docs, go through everything, look at app, look at example apps, get it done, and then never think about it again, and then dread it the next app that I was building. Uh, yeah. Do you identify with that? Do you ever like remember feeling that way? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and usually for me, it was because I didn't understand like what needed to go in what, and also which terms to use for yeah. section and extend and yields. Right. And yes. All that exactly. Kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't have yeah. the cure. Uh, I think, you know, you learn over time, but I do have one cure, um, yeah. one specific tip that basically, cause I, I would get very overwhelmed with, okay, if you just do section and, ex- and yield section and then end section and then yield those sections, um, if you just do those, you, it will not work. It will work for just two layers. But if you have that middle yeah. layer, like I was describing where you have the base layout and then your app layout and then your, your, your the actual view, 
the actual view will overwrite that middle layer. It'll just get mm -hmm. rid of it because that's the way that blade sections work. When you're in that nested eggshell thing, the middle shell takes precedence over all the extra shells, you know, when you're mm -hmm. dealing with the same section. Anyway, the cure mm -hmm. is that in all those middle sections, instead of at end section, you do at yep. overwrite. That is yeah. the cure. It is actually not documented. I'm sure. Is it not at all? It's actually like hard to find oh this Lord. answer now. <laughs> you should go there and check me if you just command F at overwrite. I'm, I'd be kind of willing to bet you don't find it. We're doing it live. <laughs> We're doing it live. Oh, except my internet's going slow. Hold on. Let me, oh, look at this. Warning, you're browsing the documentation for an old version of Laravel. I think I may have been involved in that decision to put that little note there. I just forgot it, but I'm oh, glad that's, that it's Oh, that's there. a great note. I love that. Yeah. So the one I know is that there's at section and at end section versus at section and at show. Uh, ah, I right, kind right. of thought that at section and at overwrite um, was you didn't want to do it because overwrite um, actually overwrote it, whereas at show allowed it to be extended or something like that. Isn't it weird? But, you would think overwrite would be what I described as the default behavior, but overwrite yeah. is like stack. I don't know why it's called overwrite and I don't know why it's not documented. Maybe I found it hmm. source diving or something. Maybe show is the thing to do, but show yeah. and section and then at show to me is weird. The language is weird. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just a thing to get tripped up on. So I'll at least say that for me and every app I've ever built at overwrite is the cure to these problems. So I'll just put that Got out it. there, but people look at the docs, maybe don't use it. Maybe yeah. use at show. Well, and could, <laughs> let's, let's do a little digging after the, the thing and maybe put all, oh, if, if either of us come up with like the perfect thing, we'll tweet it and I'll put it in the show, the show notes. But there's definitely, when you start with a section, you can either end it in end section, mm -hmm. show or overwrite, which is not documented. So uh, I do actually want to step out for just one second. If you have never worked with Blade, a lot of our conversation here about templates has probably been a little bit confusing. So really quickly, let's just talk about templates. So let's imagine the most common Laravel app structure, which is not three layers, what like Cable was just talking about, but two, 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 two layers. You've got a file that is your primary template called usually layout slash app.blade.php that has everything that your all of your pages are going to have. So it, like he was saying, it's going to be the opening HTML tags and your head tags and your footer tags, stuff like that. And then where that content is, remember, just like we were talking about with the PJAX, there's this content section in the middle that is really what's different from page to page. Instead of putting any content there, you'd put the words at yield. And that's it, at sign yield. And then all your actual content pages aren't going to be a full HTML page. They're going to be basically two things. The first line will say at extends, and then in that you pass in the name of the file that you are just built as your, so uh, layouts.app. You don't have to put dot, uh, blade.php, and that dot gets replaced as, with a slash. So if you say at extends layouts.app, what that means is go look for a file in layouts slash app.blade.php and consider it the template. And then from there, you define a section. So you do that, two new lines, and then at uh, section, and then you put the name of the section. So if we named it content before, you say at section content, and then you type whatever you want to be in that middle body, and then you do whichever the appropriate one is at show or at end section or whatever, and then that gets passed yep. into the parrot template. They're mushed together, and then that's the output. So when, when Caleb's talking about templating, that's really one of the most powerful things about Blade is the ability to do that thing where individual templates yield or open up certain kind of sections to have other things put content in them. And then later ones can extend that parent one and define those sections in there saying, hey, give me everything that parent one has. And when it asks for this little section, here's what you should put there. 
Um, yeah, so I think that is that a pretty good uh, description. Yeah, of yeah, really good, good uh, knowledge to fill in. Yep. Yeah. So can you? I just want to poke on one of them because I think it's valuable, and I don't think a lot of people know about it. Can you tell me about stacks a little bit? Yes. So I, I I'm going to start at a place where maybe most people won't <laughs> grab on, but I think it's a fun way of thinking about it. Um, I think a better way to think of stacks is p- the portals concept in Vue or React. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're familiar with Vue, consider this this problem. You are building an app. It's a Vue application. Vue is a JavaScript framework, whatever. And it's a, oh, I don't know, whatever. It's a foobar app. Who cares? In the middle, mm-hmm. there's some component called body or modal or something where you have a form, whatever. I don't know. From that component, you have something that you want to show in the footer of the page. Like there's mm-hmm. maybe a, a button to hit next or to hit hide or something like that. You basically, mm-hmm. you want a portal. Like the the concept of like, jump of I'm trying to think of a good example of portal. A portal of the game, Rick and Morty's portals, yeah. whatever. Everybody knows portals. Um, <laughs> yeah, they know portals are. <laughs> Another yeah. portal. It's glowing. Yeah, it takes yeah. you other places. <laughs> yes. So in Vue, <laughs> there is a concept of portals. I think it's native in Vue 3 now. I don't know. I think it's going to come out of the box. It used to be a plugin. Uh-huh. Um, oh, but cool. basically, where from any component, you could shove stuff into a portal, and then you could fetch stuff out of the portal from other places in your app. So in that footer, you could designate a portal target, which is saying, like, here's where I want, and you would name it with another map. So maybe it's portal target mm-hmm. footer. Then from any component, you could say, shove this block of HTML through the footer portal, and it'll show up there which is great. Mm-hmm. And then you can set it to for certain behavior. Like let's say there's three different components that are shoving HTML into these portals and they're all coming right. out at this. By default, it would overwrite each other until the last one wins. Mm-hmm. But you can add the ability or specify the ability to append so that each new one is appended to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a good mental model for stacks in Blade. Yeah. Um, it took me a while. I The reason I came to this is I started writing portals in Blade and then I realized I had rewritten <laughs> stacks. I was like, wait a minute, this is stacks. So the concept of a stack, similar to a portal, a stack is something you can push to. You push from any blade component in your entire app and it will pop Mm -hmm. out wherever you specify a stack. So at stack uh, footer, whatever, you could put that at the footer of your main layout. And then from any Mm -hmm. blade file anywhere, you can say at push footer, specify, and then just throw in HTML and it will show up there. And it will automatically, it's called stack. You, you can guess that it would append, um, but it yeah. stacks stuff on top of each other. Um, and we could talk about common uses in a second, but how's that for a definition? Yeah. Uh, that's great. And I think that the easiest way to understand it is the most common use case, which is pushing JavaScript scripts, you yeah. know, yes. into your footer that, you know, that only one template needs or something like that. I think that's a perfect description. If you're not familiar with portals, I think if you can just imagine that any of your individual template sections could, regardless of where they are on the inheritance tree or at show or at end section, whatever, right. they could just say, hey, just I don't care what's in there right now. Just throw this script tag into there and just call it a day. And that's all you got to do. Yes. So that is a common yeah, pattern where there's certain... Uh, Every app that I have, I have a base or app, you know, layout slash app.blade.php or base.blade.php. And then mm-hmm. right before the end of the body, I have a stack called scripts. So yep. at stack scripts. And then in the head tag, right before the end of the head tag, I have at stack. Uh, usually I call it styles. That's just my styles. convention, yeah. styles and scripts. Me too. And then anywhere else in my blade file. So if I have a page called show user or whatever, and I return a blade view called 
user.show. Inside of it, you have the ad extends, then you have the at section for your whole content, but then you include like um, some, like a JavaScript image cropping library or whatever. You include some bit mm -hmm. on there that needs JavaScript, but you don't want to necessarily include that JavaScript on every page. So just on that page, after all of the other blade stuff, after the at section, whatever, I'll have an at push scripts, and then I'll mm -hmm. paste in the link to the CDN or the JavaScript file on my machine. Um, yeah. That's a common use case for me because it's nice that like, it, I don't know, it's a really nice pattern of you don't want those scripts scattered in the middle of your of your file or even if it's the javascript that you write yourself like in a script tag you want that yeah. stuff at the end of the page so at you're not footer. blocking yeah. the rendering of your site um yeah. so script stuff goes in at push scripts and then occasionally i i pull on you know at push styles but yeah, yeah. stacks is a good Same one 100 i have a friend uh he's heavy into stacks it's like the only blade abstraction he uses he's a wild man <laughs> i think he uses it yeah. for layouting for everything he just loves it. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that, but I'm curious to see what it looks like in the end. So I should say that I uh, I was talking to Taylor about mm -hmm. uh, some layout stuff with Livewire, and we were, we we're working on the new components, which we need to talk about. And mm -hmm. we're just brainstorming on components, and I'm talking about some hiccup with layouts. And he goes, actually, man, he's like, I just use components for everything. And I'm like, what? are you talking about? And I just saw it. So then I was like, I need to do this. Give me a second. So I go uh -huh. and I create a new app and just instead of the whole layout confusion, whatever you have a component called layout with slots. And uh -huh. I, I'll stop with the words here, but I'll say that like, I'm pretty sure Taylor doesn't even use layouts anymore. Interesting. I think he uses components for everything okay. <laughs> as the, I'm going to have to pick his brain about it later, but yes. you know what? I actually, we are about to get to the com common challenges and gotchas. So before we do, why don't we touch on components? Components is yeah. brand new as of two months ago. And I know that you were a part of it being introduced and components in blade actually parallel components in Livewire super well. Yes. So can you just tell us, that's another reason why you're the perfect person to be on this podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about components? Yes. So, um, we'll start with includes the concept of includes in a blade mm -hmm. file. Um, at include is a blade directive. Directive is the word for things that start with at and blade. So at yep. include, and then you specify a file, a blade file, and it'll basically right. um, just shove it in there. So super simple concept. Um, so components, a while ago, I don't know when they were introduced. They've been introduced in there. They expand on the concept of an include. So they're kind mm -hmm. of like an include, except it's worth noting that their scoping is different. I don't know if we want to get into that, but I'm going to skip it for now. Uh, it, but it is a gotcha. Maybe when we talk gotchas, we'll talk scoping issues. Um, so instead of add include, you can do at component and it mm -hmm. behaves just like an include on the surface, but you could yeah. also add an end at end component after that and shove mm -hmm. HTML inside of that which is a slot. If you're familiar with Vue.js, uh -huh. that's the concept of slots. So this was mm -hmm. Taylor's like first attempt at bringing some more advanced templating that we saw from the Vue world and JavaScript world, bringing it into the backend templating world. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and there were some cool things there. So that, that would be the starting point. But I'll say that that wasn't enough for me, having tasted Vue, right. having like my biggest complaint with Blade is that it feels antiquated. And... The components in view are such a better abstraction in in terms yeah. of there's slots there's named slots there's attribute forwarding we can get into that later they look better there's they're like they look like tags so there's syntax highlighted mm -hmm. where blade components are at you know component mm -hmm. then a big long list and so whatever so i wrote this manifesto of like 
basically blade would be amazing if the components uh-huh. work just like view so i wrote out like this spec of like they need to have this 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 and this and because i had written livewire which is built on this concept of components i had already yeah. had sort of an arsenal of like here's exactly how it could work uh-huh. um yeah. without the live part just the yeah. component part you know because people were yeah. using livewire components without the livewire without part, any interactivity just as a better <laughs> just component it's a good organization yeah totally um, so anyway, components got a huge upgrade in the latest version of Laravel, yeah. Laravel 7, and I adore them. I think they've yeah. redeemed Blade. I think people are all about them, and the craze will only continue. I think they're bringing okay. people back to Blade. They're so sexy. Wow. I do. All right. I do believe that. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. I mean, I, I, I love them, but it's interesting. I've never imagined the idea of using them for a full layout, but I, I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, it totally makes sense. So now my next my next challenge to me myself will be to be using only components no inheritance and see how i feel about it so yeah i mean it's kind of a comp, comp a composition over inheritance type thing right like it programming already tells me i'm supposed to do yep. that so it's perfect it's obviously better yeah the concept yeah. of slots is like closures and programming it's it's great mm-hmm. i like that um okay let's um let's get on to common challenges and gotchas so first we're going to jump back to routing for a little bit uh what do you think gets people tripped up the most um as they're working in either learning routing in laravel or just in general what do you think people get stuck on the most with routing fortunately it's really simple so i think i think it's like i don't remember struggling with it a lot i don't think it's Mm -hmm. something that that trips people up too much because it's fairly straightforward i think but uh, i do have a couple like specific gotchas that i've run into mm-hmm. um so how oh, really honestly the the big one <laughs> that i think is a little deeper um is okay when when routes yes when you have two competing routes in the same file uh-huh. so if you have uh-huh. like so here's a thought experiment you have route get um Matt Stauffer, and then echo, hey, Matt. And then you have mm-hmm. route get Matt Stauffer right after that, echo, mm-hmm. hey, Caleb. Mm-hmm. And then you go in your browser to slash Matt Stauffer, what shows up? What do uh, you think hey, or what do you know shows up? Hey, hey, Caleb, right? Right. And that would make sense because something declared after another thing overwrites that thing. That's what yeah. you would think. And that is the way it yeah. works. Now, let's say that I declare I was like a, waiting for you to tell me I was wrong. And no, I'm like, no, oh my no, God, no, no. I'm, I'm saving that. <laughs> You're I'm, saving the, 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 the time where I'm, I'm wrong saving, for yes. a second. <laughs> and you might not be wrong. You likely know this. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but this is something that is always confusing to me. And I had before this call, I just decided to check it out to get an answer to, to gift oh, yeah. to the listener. Here is the answer. I love it. So wildcard routes in Laravel, mm-hmm. they're a way to, um, you could say route colon colon. You're going to have to help me with the syntax because I write them so infrequently. Route colon mm-hmm. colon get uh, slash. You could do slash star. Is that right? Or is it like curly brackets and then star? I think it would be curly brackets and then. I don't even think it has to be star. But oh, admit- yeah. You mean like the global wildcard, not just for a section. Well, let's just say it's just a section. Well, yeah. Forget about the global stuff. Okay. Forget about the asterisk. So let's, let's do like slash posts slash, um, you know, uh, braces ID, right? I'd Curly like to stick ID. with the original Matt Stauffer because we have everybody okay, in that mind space. So we had route uh-huh. get Matt Stauffer and then route get Matt Stauffer. Now yep. the above route get Matt Stauffer becomes route get curly brace name, whatever. Right. And curly uh-huh. brace. So in Laravel, yeah. this is a wildcard route and anything that mm-hmm. matches it, like you were getting at, if it's slash post slash curly brace ID, everything with slash posts will hit that. And then whatever is the ID will get passed to the route. 
So right. anyway, you would think that you would declare a wild card first, and then if I declared route get Matt Stauffer after, that would be the mm-hmm. thing that would take precedence. You would think that. You yep. declare the catch-all, and then you declare the specific instances. Well, mm-hmm. if you go to Matt Stauffer in the browser, you would get Matt Stauffer. So this is a common gotcha, I think, because it's reversed to, it's unintuitive. Yeah, good thing. You have to declare the specific routes above the wildcard routes for them to properly yep. work. And it's because the fact that the wildcard routes, once defined, have captured that thing and they don't even get to be passed to the other one. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. It's actually, there's a bug in, in uh, Livewire um, that I just dealt with in testing that somebody just PR'd so that brought Livewire registers a route. I have to then like bust it out so that it registers it first because uh, they have a wildcard route in their app. So I have to make uh-huh. Livewire more flexible so that it doesn't yeah. break their app. Um, but this is I something that, that people problem. come across. Good. Yeah, I ran into that problem when I was doing translations on OnRamp because I had to do wildcard where the first segment of your entire app is going to be the language that you're working in because that's okay. there's different like structures. Sure. And right. so Nova Nova stops working and the auth stops mm, working yeah. and all these different things because they're all expecting to be at the root. And so I had to bypass those things uh, in, in weird or 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 add whatever all these different things to just allow the fact that the the first route's going to be this except in these certain circumstances and sometimes I couldn't do that because you know the way you're thinking because they were those routes were bound in a service provider and that service provider yes. was was loaded later mm. so and then I have to do like these weird like it's a language unless it's one of these and then it's actually mm. you know a pass or whatever so yeah it's, there's definitely some dances to be done there yep so. for sure yes yeah, yeah. I, I would say that, right? Like in general, root level wildcard is gonna bite you at some point. Yeah. Like, and that's why the healthier <laughs> one is to do only do those in like slash post slash whatever. Because okay, that's gonna make yeah. more sense. You still like, well, what happens if I want slash post slash create or whatever? Okay, you still yeah. have to think about those things, but yes. there's less of them in that context. So right. Um. Okay. So, oh, sorry. Do you have more for um for routing? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think that the only two are one is wildcards and two is if you're using any of the magical matching that we're talking about before, where you're using like resources controllers and stuff like that. Sometimes it can be hard to know where the match is coming from, which is why I think explicit is really valuable with routing for sure. Yes. The more explicit, the better. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about blade. What are, um, common gotchas? What gets people most tripped out, um, tripped up when they're using blade? Yeah, I mean the at override I think is is a common one. Here's here's another one. Um, so when you at include a section of HTML, so let's say you're mm-hmm. returning a file called uh, show user. It's you're returning a blade view called show user, and it shows the user's profile, the avatar, stuff like that. And there's a bunch of redundancies on the page. Like maybe every row in the user's info is you repeat all this HTML. So you might break out an include. And an include yeah. is an abstraction. So it's like a variable of HTML. So you could break out some section and include whatever. Mm-hmm. The HTML, the blade in that include has access to all, it has access to the parent scope. It has access to the, all the yep. variables that your blade view has access to. So if you pass yep. a variable into your view from a controller, your includes have access to it. No problem. Yep. When mm-hmm. you use a blade component, they're walled off. So yeah. the scope does not bleed into the component. And you have to explicitly pass those things in as parameters into the component. So if you you, you yep. do a lot of prop drilling, basically prop forwarding, um, yeah. I prefer it that way. And in includes, you can actually pass variables into includes the same way you do yep. uh, a component, um, which is nice. But uh, but yeah, I think that's that's just a good thing to know. Blade scoping, I guess that 
Um, yeah. The components aren't scoped and includes are. I don't know. Just a nugget. I also think that um, at each, um, which is basically like a convenience layer around, um, I think this is the right one, around for each and include at the same time. Where you basically oh, say sure, at yes. each, the first thing's the list of things you're for each, and the second one's the template. It also doesn't do, um, it doesn't pass the variables. Out. Oh, interesting. Good to know. Yeah, I think it's either that or some other convenience level yeah. like that. But I think it's at each that doesn't have it. I and stay so away if, from that and I think that, Yeah, I love it because I have to to do at each includes all the time. Although I'll probably end up moving to components. But I do think I remember like one of the things that you run into is in the docs even say like you can at each and you get past the item of the array that you're iterating over mm. or the you know, whatever the iterable. But you don't have the ability to get all the other things. And the docs literally say, and if you need them, just go to the classic at for each at include. You know, gotcha. Syntax. Okay. So yeah, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other things that you think get people's gets people tripped up about yeah. Blade a lot? I think this is a concept that I've recently, since building Livewire, I got real clarity on, and I it's simple mm -hmm. enough that I wish I had clarity way earlier, and that yeah. is compiling Blade compiling. Um, yeah, where that happens, when that happens, what is it? It's a concept mm -hmm. that first I'll start where you might experience, um, where you might touch this problem or this this mm -hmm. feature, I guess. So you are developing your Laravel app and you have an error in your blade file. So you have show user.blade.php and let's say you literally throw an exception, who knows, whatever, have some bad syntax. Mm -hmm. The error message that you get will not, uh, I actually don't know, the, the error um, handlers in Laravel ebb and flow in terms of how well they handle this sort of thing. Uh, so I don't uh -huh. know what it's like right now with Flare, but whatever. When you hit this error, you will likely see a reference you will be expecting to see uh, your blade file. You'll be expecting to see yep. the, the reference in the error to say slash user slash show dot blade dot PHP. You will not. You mm -hmm. will see some obscure reference to a file called blah, 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 dot blade dot PHP or dot PHP. Dot PHP, yeah. Yeah, buried somewhere in some hidden, seemingly hidden directory um, that yeah. will sort of look like your file, but there'll be no blade. And you might catch yep. that or not. It's Lots just PHP. PHP tags, yeah. Yes. So um, that is because all of the blade that you write isn't what actually mm -hmm. gets run by PHP. There's a compilation step that goes through, yep. uses regex, searches for syntax that like, oh, at, at for each? Well, we're going to replace that with actual PHP for each. So there's an entire mm -hmm. compilation step that happens, um, yeah, before the code is actually run. And I think mm -hmm. that is... Um, it, it causes, there's a disconnect there, I think, for people, um, yeah. especially with errors in their blade. So, yeah. yeah. So I'll start there, and then I, th I have one extra tiny nugget with that. Well, there's, a, there's an interesting note on that one as well, which is that um, if you can cache those views so that they're all generated once, and then you don't, they don't have to be generated on the yes. fly. Um, and so you should consider doing that as a part of your deploy step, but don't do it locally. Otherwise you're going to have to cache un, you know, recache, regenerate the views every single time. Right. So yeah, yeah. So this is a good point. I thought as a not knowing how blade caching works, just from an outside mm -hmm. in there's artisan view cache, whatever. Is it, mm -hmm. is it artisan view cache for blade caching? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think so. So artisan, yes, definitely artisan okay, view cool. cache and so I thought, oh, cool. Everybody's talking about this, optimize, you know, do it on the server. It's great. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Cache all the views. I thought that it was some extra caching thing, some extra thing that I'm uh -huh. adding some layer of caching. And if I have a problem, I'll just get rid of it and go back to slow, you know, PHP. Uh -huh. I will say yeah. 
that that is not the case. Every mm-hmm. view that ever gets run is cached. It's yep. so when you run view cache, it's just preemptively doing it. But when Laravel yep. hits a view that it hasn't cached, it will cache it and then it'll hold yep. that cache and it will yeah. expire that cache when it recognizes a difference between the file mm-hmm. modified time on your cached view and on your yep. blade file. That's how it yep. works. There's literally a bit of code in Laravel's code base, like file M time greater than file M time, then yep. redo the cache. So it helped me to understand that forget about artisan view cache. Laravel is always caching views. Artisan yep. view cache is just like pre-cache them all. It's like it's a, it's just a micro optimization so that no individual user has to be the first person to hit that cache right yeah. now. So I don't even um, do and it. It's, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it's, should, it's certainly it's, uh, it's, 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 it's exactly what you me. said. It's it's minuscule. I, I, because I I am in the practice of running all the caches when I deploy, I just throw that one in there, but you're 100% right. So, and it, it, interestingly, I do think that like one of the things that's beneficial with the view cache, um, you can also do view clear, I believe. Yes. That's the more helpful one. Exactly. Because yes. every once in a while, because of Git pulling or something like that, you're going to get an issue where ju- it's very infrequent where Laravel is unable to notice that the, the view should have been recompiled. And so if you're like, I, I am 100% changing the source files, it's got to be Laravel that's fault. First of all, most of the time, it's actually you're changing the wrong source file. But every once in a while, Laravel caches them wrong, and then you do artisan view clear, I think is what it is. And that actually wipes all those cached files. Here's the scenario where this, where this will predictably occur and is a good known mm-hmm. for everybody listening. If you are ever creating your own custom blade directives or mm-hmm. aliasing blade components or anything like that, if you're ever doing that, those changes, so consider this example. You have the user show thing. You can create custom blade directives. We haven't even touched on it. It's fun. We're not going to get into it. But I've already explained directives. So you could create at Matt Stauffer in your use, yeah. whatever, and it's going to echo out Matt Stauffer. So in your service provider, you would say blade colon colon directive Matt Stauffer mm-hmm. and then pass in a closure where you echo out Matt Stauffer. And so then in that view, you have at Matt Stauffer, you save it, you hit refresh in your browser, you see it on the page, you go, this is great. I have my new custom directive. And you go, wait a minute, it should say at, it should say Caleb Porzio. So then in your service provider, you go and you change the echo from Matt Stauffer to echo Caleb Porzio. Then you refresh and it doesn't change in your browser. Because if you think about it, no file modified time has changed. You change that directive at runtime. Um, so you have to artisan view clear. So that's why you'll see a lot of like packages who provide changes to directives when they upgrade run Mm -hmm. artisan view clear. If you use Nova, you have to artisan view clear because they, whatever. So anyway, that is a note, something I have to be aware of a lot. There's another very common one, which is that, that I've run into, which is that if you are bringing in a package that offers a directive and you put the directive call in your template hit save before it finishes composer requiring the template. Oh, so for yeah. example, if you're using Ziggy, this happens all the time. Someone someone oh. types at, at Ziggy or at routes or whatever it is into their template, hit save, and then goes and does compi- composer require Titan Co slash Ziggy. And then they refresh the page and it just still says at Ziggy right. because that template does not have a new modified time. So you can either go just literally hit enter and hit save so it gets a new modified time or run PHPRs in view clear. And all of a sudden now register it. And that was one of the biggest things we ran into like customer support issues with on the, or whatever you want to call them, is just like, why is it not working? Yeah. And I remember hitting it once and I'm like, I'm losing my mind. And it was right. exactly that. The, you know, that there was lots of files that were modified when I required that package, but the views to render this view were not any different afterwards. Yep. So I get that with at Livewire. Same thing. People showing me just yeah. a page okay. that says cool. at Livewire. 
And it's okay, cool. So yeah, it's the exact same thing then. Yep. Yep. And that, oh, the other, the other instance for that is if you, that shouldn't happen. Oh, if you pull the updated, so if somebody adds Ziggy or Livewire or whatever in a pull request, and then you pull down the updated code and you view it and you see at Ziggy, and then you go, oh, I need to go run composer install. You run composer install. That's the more common one. Some you pull down the templates, you render the view, the oh, view caches at Livewire or at Ziggy, yeah. and then you run composer install, but now you're not getting it. That's the most common right. one. Yeah. Got it. Okay, yeah, sorry. Totally nitpicks and nuance. Are there any other um common uh gotchas for Blade that you haven't covered yet? No, I think those I think those are it. Yeah. The lay okay. basic yeah, layout stuff, little nitty gritty stuff. That's uh there's one there's one cool thing that I would like to mention mm-hmm. if we have a second. Yeah. This is like a little nugget um, that I forget exists and I recently rediscovered it and was freaking out. In yeah. Blade Components, I'm not going to backfill all this information for some listeners who aren't intimately familiar with Blade Components, but hopefully if you've been following you know enough along, this will make sense. If you have a Blade Component, like at component, user name, whatever, user avatar. Mm-hmm. Again, it's kind of like an include, whatever. And like I said, with includes and components, you can pass data in. So maybe you want to pass in, um, uh, maybe you want to pass in the name. Okay. So you have like user, show user profile, whatever, at component, user profile. And then you pass in a name parameter and then Caleb Porzio. And mm-hmm. now when you load it in the browser, everything looks great, whatever. And then in your blade template for that component, you would have like echo money sign name and it would echo that out. Mm-hmm. Now let's say that because I'm special in my name, I want there to be an SVG icon mm-hmm. like Caleb Porzio with some SVG icon. I don't know what it would be like upload or cloud or something. So to do that, what would I do? Would I hard code that SVG into that string? But then mm-hmm. it'll get like escaped and it won't actually render as mm-hmm. an SVG, right? Or what if I want to put a whole chunk of HTML for the name, right? Okay. In components, yeah. there's the concept of slots where you can mm-hmm. pass chunks of HTML. You can name them even. The cool thing about components that I love and I wish Vue had, this is like better mm-hmm. than Vue, that slots are the same as p- parameters being passed in. So at any time, hmm. you can name a slot name or a parameter name and just uh-huh. get rid of the parameter and use the slot and switch back and forth. And I do this thing all the time for it. And it is way more useful than you think, but at any time huh. you can drop down from the parameters you're passing in to a slot and have a full on place to put in valid HTML wow. with syntax highlighting. Super nice. Yeah. That's a good note. That's awesome. And that's, I mean, that, I'm trying to remember what there was, there was some thing in like, Yield, I think, was the same thing, or section, or something. Yield, I think yes. With, Yield with, has a default. Yeah, yeah. Well, it has a default, but I think with and with the default, and this is true for section two. I think you can either pass the content of the default or section or whatever as a single string, which is the second parameter yeah. of the yield or the section, or you can do an entire block, which is what we normally do, which is kind of the equivalent to a slot. You're you're either passing that thing in as a string within the parentheses of the yield, or you're actually doing like a, I don't know if this is true for yield, but for section, end section, you can also just, yes, like to section, right, you can right. just pass a second second parameter, which is just the string that is that section. Yes, you can, pa- right, you can say at section. It's like the inverse of what you're saying. Pass in a string. Yeah. Yes, yield, yeah. yields have the ability, you're right, and that is the exact same level of awesome. Yields mm-hmm. have the ability to have a default, so you can say like yield content, mm-hmm. comma, and then some default. But it's like useless because there's no way to do HTML and then end yield for a default. You know, like to me, it's like it would be so much okay, more useful. Okay, that's what useful. I was asking. Can you do that with yield? You yeah, can't. Okay. Yes. 
But yeah. with section, you can. You're right. Well, I wonder if that's when you'd want to use overwrite then. That's when you'd want to use overwrite. Or stop. Or one, whichever one overwrites the parent's content. Instead of using a yield, you do you do a section with a um, oh, with content. Dude. And then the child would just... Oh. <laughs> I wonder if it does that. If you don't ever need a yield yeah. at the end of your sections, that would be sick, Mr. Matt yeah, We'll have to go... We're definitely going to have to do like a whole bunch yeah. of like little <laughs> test runs of stop versus end section versus yield versus whatever and right. how they all work. Yes. So, yep. It's fun. Um... So it's funny because the the next thing on this podcast list is the thing where I talk about the fact that you and I have a, a shared affinity for blade templating, and apparently I just forgot and I just talked about it at the beginning. So we've already done that. Great. Um, it probably would have made a lot more sense to talk about it here when I planned it instead of the beginning. So sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the the last two pieces are: um, is there anything else you want to talk about the topic, and how should people learn more? So let's start with that. Is there anything else? Other than that great little nugget, which is already kind of basically a part of, is there anything else you want to, is there anything else you want to cover on routing or blade? Oh, probably one, one other thing that came to mind really quick. Uh, when you add extends, you know, when you're extending, extending a layout, you can pass mm -hmm. parameters into the add extends. So this is a, a common mm -hmm. use cases. If your base layout file has a title tag with a default totally. of your app name, but some, you know, a lot of pages, you should have a more appropriate title tag. Um, uh -huh. My favorite place to do it, instead of like doing it in the controller or something, my favorite place is at extends, you know, layouts.app, comma, then an array, you know, of keys and values. And the key would be like site name or title. The key would be title to title and then hard code in the title there. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be that would be one. All right. That's awesome. So are there any good articles or tutorials or in general, just learning resources? If you think that somebody really wants to learn Blade, where would you direct them to go? I would say read through the blade docs, step one, mm -hmm. definitely. And then Laracast is probably the best place to learn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd go to yeah. Laracast and I'd learn about blade. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'd bet that one of the YouTube teachers probably has some good stuff. So you're looking for something free to start with, go check it out. Cause there's a couple of people um, like Traversy and other people who've started covering Laravel recently. So if you want some free stuff, start there, but you know, Laracast is definitely, you know, the canonical place to learn, you know, up-to-date stuff about Laravel. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. If you want to dig into blade components. So the LiveWire documentation has a screencast section, and there mm. uh, I think this mm -hmm. one is actually a paid one. Um, so you have to sponsor me for fourteen bucks a month. But uh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> but I did a series on extracting out um, form inputs to custom like new the new Laravel seven blade components, and okay. I'm just super jazzed about it. It's it's so yeah. great. I'm addicted to it. It's like uh, it's such a it's so rare that I come across an abstraction as flexible and expressive and powerful as it is mm. it's so good so basically i take That's a awesome. bunch of like basically all of my you know when you have like a te especially if you're using tailwind ui and you import like a text field it's like 70 mm -hmm. divs with a zillion classes and whatever you can't just go yeah. throwing that stuff around your app um so you make all these little custom components for form groups and input types and it's it's uh, it's pretty good stuff so check yeah. that out if you're into the new blade component stuff sweet yep um, okay, so my, my personal fun moment for you, and, and in case it sounds to anybody like I'm rushing through, I'm having such a good time talking, I just looked up and realized we're at like an hour and a half, yeah, so that's yeah. I'm like, oh, I guess we should keep going. I feel like we were getting rolling, um, and it, I glanced and said 45, and I was like, oh boy. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh shoot. Um, so my personal fun moment for you is, um, I know that at one point in time, you were on, you know, on track to be like a personal finance guru of sorts. <laughs> 
Is that still something that you are you kind of super frugal, frugal and super thrifty? Um, and if so, like what's the first tip or resource you would give somebody to like really think about like their financial you know future? And if not, kind of what made you kind of walk off of that? Space <laughs> yeah, right. It could go either way. Um, I think I think the answer is a little bit of both. Um, uh huh. Yeah, I was really hardcore into personal finance and specifically mm -hmm. the fire movement for those listening financial independence retire financial early independence retire early yeah so i was into that mr money mustache uh, i'm still a mustachian i think uh, okay i think his uh his content is some of the best content on the internet um yeah on any topic so i i love him and still right. do and i do a lot of credit card hacking still and okay. um and i am frugal yes uh, I spend more than I did probably, but no, still frugal. I still live in the same apartment I did when I maybe start or shortly after I started at Titan. It's like a two bedroom yeah. apartment. I don't know. We just yeah. have like, we have one car. We share a car. I just said to Hannah yesterday, I was like, I don't think we know a single other couple that shares a car. Not even yeah. one. Like we don't live yeah. in a city that has tons of public transport and everybody has cars. And, uh, anyway, so stupid stuff like that, that like, yes, we're, yeah. I'm frugal. Um, yeah but i don't okay. stress about it i don't measure stuff like i did before i'm not yeah I'm, but I, I think it's worth saying that i think that there was a one-on-one -on -one we had a while ago when i was first launching my personal finance guru brand yeah called fancy finance man and i was mm -hmm. picking your brain on whether or not to brand it separately like like what do i do do i have caleb porzio twitter account and then fancy uh -huh. finance man twitter account because what about all the finance people are they gonna be like why is he tweeting about tech and so I remember, you remember that discussion? I do, but I don't remember what I said. I, I assume I said you should make them all one. So th there was a good moment that I, I sort of look back. Like if I'm, if I'm being really, um, oh, I don't know if nar narcissistic is a heavy word for it. But if I, if I'm just <laughs> like pretending that this is my like memoirs or something, uh -huh. I would, uh, given my current, um, endeavors with programming and how far I uh -huh. believe that I've come, however far that uh -huh. is. There was this moment where I said, I was like, yeah, Matt, uh, I forget, I, I'm going to mess this up, but, but you basically said that you could totally just be the finance guy in the Laravel community. Like you could, nobody's speaking about, you know, personal yeah. finances at Laracon. Like you could totally, you were like offering me this, this path. You were like sort of yeah. delving into that. And I, I remember saying like, no, I want to be a good developer in my own right or something like that. Something prideful. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I was like. No, I can't be known for personal finances. I have to be known for code. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, yeah. you said something like, well, that's admirable or whatever. Just probably like, all right, just shut up. <laughs> and uh, you're like, yeah. So um, anyway, so I think back on that now and like the finance thing went nowhere. I did, I ditched the podcast after like three episodes and uh, yeah. and the programming thing went somewhere. So um, that's a moment that I look back on in my head. <laughs> yeah. The moment I almost uh, became the personal finance guy the, in Laravel. The personal finance guy. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is like what I, what I, what I'm most interested for most people, cause I want to turn this into a, um, like a tip for other people. I think what I'm most interested in is, is recognize that like very seldom do people make their name from purely being just a good programmer period. Hmm. Um, people make their name from being particularly good with a modifier after that. And the particularly good yeah. is, um, and teaching it really well, or at a particular tech stack, or 
um, at something that the people around them are not particularly good at. For sure. Um, and so I think that one of the things that's very interesting is that like, I think there's few people who no matter what they do, just kill it. Taylor's there, Adam's there for sure. You know, like, and I, you know, like I think that you're showing some of the breadth of your abilities by like, yeah, both of your things are front end, they're connected, but you built a, you know, a Laravel plugin and a JavaScript framework that's getting, you know, lots of attention from non-Laravel people. So that's some breadth, right? Um, I would say for a lot of people, a good moment to become known in the community is still to say, I am the blah, blah, blah expert in blah, blah, blah space. Sure. You know, and that doesn't mean that you're not focusing on being a good programmer, but there's so many programmers out there um, that that stick, you know, it's like the sticky, it's almost kind of like schlocky sh- sh- or sticky or whatever. It's, it's kind of what helps it, you know, like you get known as the blah, blah, blah guy or the blah, blah, blah girl before sure. you get known as Caleb. And I think yeah. that one of your intents there was to say, no, I don't want to be the blah, blah, blah guy. I want to do the harder work of just becoming known as an excellent programmer, Caleb. And I think one of the, one of the ways that you can achieve that is by um, choosing instead to give yourself a platform where you talk about many different things or program in many different things and show that you have something wise to say about all of them. For example, the 20% Time Podcast. And I think that a lot of your fame came from the 20% Time podcast where you and Daniel showed that no matter what topic you broached, you had the ability to be excellent thinking programmers on all of them. So you didn't need the shtick of being, hey, I'm the guy who knows you know whatever topic because you could say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a platform right now where I can talk about all the topics. And I think that's a great way to do it if you can do it. The problem is a lot of people started a podcast and not gone anywhere with them. So like 100%, like you did it in a way that was in line with your values. I think to other people, I would say like, do it that way if you can, sure. But there is sometimes like, basically like take the take whatever the route is that you can take to getting known as a good programmer, even if it's a good programmer in X, because once you're known as that, you can then explore the fact that you're a good programmer in Y as well. Does that make sense? For sure, yeah. No, it's definitely still good advice, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I guess I, I always Everyone, picture... Oh, it's one of those things that, like, um, let's just say that... Oh, like, uh, this is... Um, what, there's a bias here for, like, people who become successful at something, like, just say that survivor bias yeah survivor bias Basically. so I, i'm yeah. sure i have that where i'm like no no just go for just it just do you what know, i just, did yeah everyone, exactly you know, if you do what uh, i did you will be successful like right. i was yes exactly yeah. so i i'm very aware <laughs> of that uh at play um mm-hmm. i guess the 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 thought process behind it for me where there were the way i saw it was like some people get um it's tough to talk. I, this, these are the things that I, I always have a hard time talking about in the Laravel community because they're about the Laravel community. But let's say there's like yeah. some people at any given Laracon who manage to be like friends with the upper tier of Laravel developers, but they don't have the code, the packages, the work that happens the rest of the year to sort of back it mm-hmm. up. Now it's fine yeah. to be friends with anybody and there shouldn't be like this like developer elite status and then the rest of the whatever. It's not like that. But but this mm-hmm. is the lens that I sort of view it through is like I just knew that I didn't want to be that person who was just friends with people who were really prominent developers. I wanted yeah. to to at least like I wanted I didn't want that. I don't know. Something about that yeah. just didn't feel good to me. So I wanted to like, I, because I want to be someone who's putting in the work too all year, 
you know, it was like Absolutely. really like yeah. sweating it and talking about stuff and putting it in so that when this conference comes, I've earned my place at the table instead of just, you know, being there because I'm make good jokes or because I am yeah. good at personal finance. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm not trying to, to like poo poo on your advice. It's good advice. No, no, no. It's fine. That's sort of what, well, that's the, what the way that my yeah. brain worked that led me there, I guess. Yeah. And it, I, I think it absolutely makes sense. And I think that I'm glad you didn't listen to that advice. So just for anybody listening, I'm, I'm not, I, I think you did the right thing, you know, and you, because, and part of their, part of what I was actually saying there is, uh, I proposed like three or four different ideas. I do remember that. And I just said, do you want this? You yeah, know, like yeah, you yeah. could blah, blah, blah. Do you want this? And you'd be like, nah, I'm like, okay, cool. That's one less, right, uh, yes. you know, do you, would, if you were able to be successful enough in your financial, whatever thing that you didn't have to be a programmer, would you want this? And you're like, no, I was like, cool. That helps you get some, some definition. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, but somebody who does remind me of that, the, the, what you're saying there is like, think about Jonathan Rennick. Like Jonathan Rennick knows a lot about a lot of topics for sure. And yet he's the database guy right now. He doesn't yes. mind it. He's like, he's definitely digging into it, but I don't think anybody who's ever worked with him as a programmer would say that guy only knows databases. Right. right? Yeah. Oh, exactly, so e yeah. even among like super, super talented programmers who have earned yes, their keep, there's, there's a diversity sure. of how much you do or don't want to, um, like focus. So I, yeah. I, you, I think the biggest note here is that everyone should have information, all the information and then decide what works for them. And I'm, I'm glad you found what works for you. And I'm glad you didn't listen to my advice about the fancy finance man thing. You know, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And I'm, I love the space you're in, man. So I'm not feeling rejected at all. And I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's, I mean, that's a fantastic point. He's a good example of somebody who that's funny. Cause like he's the database guy, he's the eloquent guy, Yeah. but, uh, but he's so yeah. much more than that and has a, a yep. whole rich history in PHP. Um, yeah, so that definitely is, is a good point. And I mean, really, if you just, if you just, if you love it, I mean, I love it and I, I love it and I love working hard at it. And so you just do that over a long enough timeline and certain things stick. So I, you know, like it, yeah. whatever, like you, you find little cool things. Like if, if sushi happened before any of this other stuff, like maybe I would get into being the guy who fixed eloquent, like parental happened. Right. And I, you know, I, yeah. like I could have been, uh, I'm not saying I could have been Jonathan Renning, but, but that, that, it, yeah. yeah, there's definitely those things just follow the paths that, uh, that stick and the thing, the, the holes in the community and the more holes that yeah. get filled. I don't think this is a zero sum game because yeah, my exactly. brain goes there. But yeah. I know that's not the truth. But I do see like friends of mine in other ecosystems where I'll be like, oh, there's there's holes there. Like, cause you kind of, we saw it with yeah. Adam, like him yep. coming into here and being like, there's holes everywhere. Like, these people don't even know yep. about collections. Like, yeah. <laughs> just like, it's so funny because I told one of my friends, I was like, yeah, like, so this guy who works with me, Adam, he's writing this thing about collections. And I think it's going to be a really big deal. And I'm super excited about it. He's like chuckling. He's like, oh, yeah, we have, you know, we have collections in Rails, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I was right. like, okay. So he was basically using that to say, like, Adam's not going to see any success. I was like, no, it's going to be awesome. You're, yeah, you just wait. wait and see. <laughs> and then later he was like, well, damn. <laughs> and I was like, I yeah. know you weren't ready for that. So, right. yeah, there's definitely a lot to, to be yeah. said about that. For sure. All right. Well, that was my personal fun moment. Oh, no, I, you missed the one piece, though. If I'm if someone to... were your average American, and I'm sorry, yeah. everybody else, if you're an imagine, average American, it'd be, you know, the age of 20 to 40, and sorry, people outside of the age range, um, what would you think like the first step that they would take towards maybe being a little bit more hmm. thoughtful or protective or careful or fiery or whatever about their finances? The... Number one thing I would say to do, it's very simple and it's not too hard and it has amazing results. Clickbait. Um, it is, <laughs> sp 
measure every penny you spend for a month. Every yeah. single penny that leaves your, if, if you are a company, every single penny that goes in and goes out of you and your yeah. company, um, mm -hmm. measure it, write it down, categorize it. And uh, I like believe this more than anything in the world. What's measured is improved. Like mm -hmm. you can't improve something if you haven't felt the pain of, of how not good it is. And a great yeah. way to feel that pain is to go through transaction by transaction and read Tim Hort uh, I'm dropping a uh, Buffalo slash Canadian references here. Tim Hortons bagel, Tim Hortons bagel, Tim Hortons bagel, uh -huh. Tim Hortons bagel. Yeah. You know, 450, 450, 450, 450, Summed not a big a deal. Yeah. Sum it up for a month. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've, I mean, I've had moments where I'll literally go back and check my math because it doesn't. Yeah. There's some like mental thing. There's no where, way I spent that much money on bagels yeah. and the coffee. Yeah. There's a fortune cookie that I, I once read that went something like this. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, many how oh, many holes oh oh wait the i was gonna say <laughs> i was thinking of two different forge cookies the bad forge cookie is the great wall didn't got built in a day and then i would make fun <laughs> of that fortune cookie a lot but the forge cookie i'm trying to say is um many small holes sink great ships yeah, and uh -huh. and that is the most true thing I can say about personal finances is it's yeah. much less about the big things, although those matter too. But basically, if you measure everything for a month, you'll feel so much pain from it. You'll also realize I have a whole category in my my budgeting app called um, uh, it's called BS, the full word, <laughs> because it has to say uh -huh. the full world for it to fully express what it means. And basically I do it when I come across something and I'm mad at it. I go like, this is uh, BS. And I label it that because it's like something I signed up for and forgot to close. And it, I just feel oh like my an gosh. idiot and I'm so angry yeah. at it. I'll see like, wait, I'm or some like a, like a friend who, who looped me into some one of their whatever schemes. And I see uh -huh. that transaction show up. And those are the things that you miss. If you never look at every transaction, you yeah. miss all the ways you're bleeding out. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's the bigger obvious things like kill all your debt. Um, yeah. cars are, this is the mustaching thing is like the root of all financial problems for everybody in America is cars because yeah. they make you fat. They make you diseased. You die early. They weigh on our healthcare system. They also weigh on our environment and they weigh on your pocketbook first and foremost, because yeah. you buy new cars and you spend yeah. way too much and you have debt and you, you know, whatever. So yeah. cars is a huge one. Um, yeah. And then houses and all those things. I don't know, but, but that's my thing is yeah. what's measured is improved. Measure everything I for a that. month feel the pain of those bagels and uh and you will improve and you will get clarity after that you will be motivated and that uh yeah that's that's what i got i love it tim hortons that's that's my shortcut to the whole thing tim hortons. watch for the tim hortons yeah. um okay so you have a million projects going on uh i'll link all of the stuff that we've talked about in the show notes but you've also got some sponsorship opportunities so let's talk real quick how can people follow you what do you want to plug yeah, um, how can yeah. they support you and what you're doing as an open source maintainer? Sure. So uh, Livewire and Alpine are my things. Um, it's now being branded mm -hmm. as the Tallstack, Tailwind, oh, Alpine, yeah. Livewire, and uh, Tallstack. What is it? Tallstack.com? Yeah, Tallstack.dev, I think. Tallstack.dev. Uh, Matt slash Titan folks put together Tallstack.dev. I just wanted to play with Tailwind UI one day, and I was like, all right, Tallstack it is. Cool. Um, yeah, so th those are my things. So uh, if you're into to that stuff, uh, you're into my stuff, and that's great. Twitter's the best place to follow me day to day. I try to tweet, I don't know, fun, useful things. I tweet, whatever. Um, and then specific, oh, the other project that's kind of out of left field is uh, my VS Code course. <laughs> this is yep. like totally not related to anything else. 
Um, well, actually, it's related to everything else because every programmer uses an editor, and a lot of them yep. use VS Code. And VS Code yep. is a is um, I'll say broken in a lot of ways out of the box. It's great, and that's why I use it. But yeah. there's so many frustrations, so many little frustrations, and also just development workflow. Like I guess I've just honed my workflow over a long time, and I started tweeting about it. Enough people were interested, so I started a little email list. Um, if you're into that, go to VS Code or learn hyphen vscode.com to get on that email list. Um, yeah. So there's a ton of good content you'll get right away. Like every other day you'll get an email and there's like seven really good emails. Uh, but now I've sort of stopped those and I'm building like an actual course and I'm writing a thousand plugins and I'm in the weeds of, you know, the Valley of despair with this course, but, uh, (laughs) the draft is written. I have all the the drafts for the plugins written. I I want to fix VS code for specifically for Laravel developers. Um, but for everybody. So that, that's another thing to tune into. Yeah. And then the last thing sponsoring, that's, that's my main, actually now it's my primary source by far of income is GitHub sponsors. Um, I realized getting in all this, that open source does not pay you anything. (laughs) You sort of think that like that people who have successful open source projects are just somehow get a lot of money, but, uh, it's not true at all. Um, yeah. Yep. So I'm trying to change that with GitHub sponsors by offering lots of things with that. You get access to screencasts and source code and whatever. But um, but yeah, so sponsor me to support the work if you like the work. That's that. Yep. And the links to that and all the other things we've talked about so far have will all be in the show notes so you can check them out. Um, Caleb, thank you so much for your time. This was a ton of fun. Uh, of course, we ran late because there's way too many things to talk about and half yes, of these are. could have taken an extra hour. Um, but I really appreciate you joining me, all the things you're doing for the community. And um, yeah, man, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me. It's a blast. All right. See you all next time. You're now recording. Let me call Aaron. Mr. Aaron, Hannah's here in secret. Uh, Aaron, I am recording an episode of the Laravel podcast. Matt Stauffer, who hosts it, is having me on. And I'm looking through these prep questions. And one of them is, let's start with routing. If you had to describe the idea of routing in a web app to a five-year-old, how would you do it? And I thought, well, why don't I call an almost (laughs) five-year-old? and see if I can explain it to him. Do you have so an you, almost five-year-old? Um, I'm a five-year-old, <laughs> or you want me to get one of my kids? I would like your a, a child that's closest to the age of five, I would love to try to explain Laravel routing to him <laughs> if he's around. Sam, how's it going? Good. Sam, I have a question for you. I need to try to explain the way websites work to someone. Do you know how websites work? I Sam, think I do. do. Yeah, like what? Do you, do you know what a website is? Uh, I've heard that before, but I don't know what it is. Gotcha. 
Do you ever go on the iPad and look at stuff? Yes. Yeah. What What do you do on the iPad? I What's that, Sam? These like go here on Anna and it's like it comes to Aunt Hannah. So you go on the iPad to talk to Aunt Hannah? No, Danny does. Oh Danny does. Do you ever hmm do you ever do you ever have you heard of Google? Uh yeah. Do you know what Google does? Do you know what Google does? What? Have you ever used Google, Sam? No. No. Sam, have you ever used a computer before? Uh, yes, I type. Oh, you so do? Yeah. You, you type on a computer? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of computer? He makes words and I say what they are. Oh. So he types what you, what you tell him to? Yeah. Okay. Nice. That's great, Sam. Um, I think that's all I needed to know. I just wanted to know if you knew how to use computers, and I wanted to, to talk to you about it. So that's actually it. Bye. <laughs> Bye, Sam. Thanks. Was he supposed to say goodbye? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the routing thing's not gonna work for You want the older for, one? I want the seven year old. Seven, right? <laughs> yeah. You gotta talk about that. Hi. Dano, how's it going, Dan? Good. Dan, I, I'm recording a podcast later today and I need mm-hmm. and I need to talk to you about websites because I need to know how to explain websites to to a kid who's like seven years old. Are you, you're seven, right? Yeah. Okay. So can I just ask you some questions about websites? Sure. Do you first, do you use the computer ever? Uh, sometimes to write stories. Okay. Do you ever, do you ever go on like a Facebook or Instagram or anything like that with your mom or dad? No, no. Do you ever answer like quizzes with your mom? Okay. And when you, when you're answering the quizzes, can you like explain to me how it works? Like you see a question and then you click a button to answer it or something? Yeah. Okay. So how, how does it work? So it's like, it gives you the question. There's like five different options. You hit a button at the end. It tells you what it, you are or something. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to figure out how to explain to people what what web apps are. Have you ever heard the word web app? No. No. Um so you're you know your dad and me like we're we're programmers, right? Like you've you've seen him program and stuff? Yeah. And we program web apps, which are basically just websites. So when you're when you're using that quiz, you're using a web app. Does that make sense? Okay. And what I'm supposed to explain is how routing works. And routing is just a fancy word 
But this is the whole point of this is I'm trying to figure out if I can explain routing to a seven-year-old. So are you ready? Can I explain routing to you? Yeah. Okay. So get ready. I need you to get your thinking cap on. Tell me when your thinking cap is on. Okay. Got it. Was that the noise that it makes when you put it on? Yes. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) So here's what routing is. Basically, so if I have a web app, like a quiz app that you go on and you click buttons to answer the quiz, when you click a button, what you're doing is you are telling the web app's routes. You're basically telling the web app's router to do something. And then usually that something shows you an answer, right? Like after you click the quiz answer, it shows you an answer. Yeah. Okay. So bas- yeah. so inside of a web app, if, if a website, if that quiz app is a web app and a web app is like a little machine, when you click a button, the router is the thing that actually does the thing. Like it's the thing that processes your answer and tells you if it was right or wrong. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, like a like telephone numbers like for a website when you're on a website and you click on something the router is the thing that knows where to take you does that make sense yeah yeah okay can you try to explain routing to me yeah so when i'm doing like quizzes okay um you like when you hit a button it like tells the iPad, computer, phone thing, like the technology to do something. And at the end, it like tells you what it is. Nice. So which part is the router? The router for quizzes? Yeah, yeah. It is like when you hit the button. Nice. And it tells the thing. Danny, you're a it. genius. That's it. You got it, Dan. I just needed to know if I could do it and if you could do it. And you did it. We did it. Yay. Sweet. Thank you for being a genius, Danny. Welcome. Okay. I'll be seeing you.